This is Michael Felker. And this is Joy Richman. And, and where would, would you like, like to try, try again? again? And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Inside Your Head. Your Head. And I never asked to grow up, so please don't make me do it. I wasn't meant to grow up. Don't think I'll make it through it. Things have been going south since I hit puberty. It looks like growing up is just too much for me. Welcome to Inside your head, this is Nasty Neil, and I'm joined by writer and producer and star Samantha Fox and writer and director Ace Thor of Wowzers. Very cool to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah. So Wowzers is going to play at Dance of the Films um, Film Festival, and it's pretty cool, I think, because it's going to be in the midnight short block. Yes, we're excited. And I think that's a fitting place, the midnights. <laughs> it's it's definitely not a matinee. Yeah, it's, I always I enjoy going to the midnight movies uh, in in Boston here. So uh, there's something, that's, uh, and and it's a weird movie, so it, it it's very fitting. Yeah, we we definitely we want to get people in the mood. You know, they're going to be spending Friday night in a theater, not at a bar. So um, I kind of wanted it to be like a party. I want everyone to have fun. I want people to get rowdy. You know, <laughs> unbutton your shirts. So, well, I guess without giving away too much of the movie, what, can you explain uh, for people who are unaware uh, what the movie's about? Oh What's man, it? that's a that's a tough one. Uh, yeah did you did you did you see the whole? Yeah, thing? yeah. Yeah. Oh man, that's hard to explain. It's kind of um, what I would say is well, what what I had in mind for when I was writing it is kind of completely different from what it turned out to be. It's more of like a almost uh, subconscious self discovery piece about um, a woman who has a. a a duality or like a conflict going on, an internal conflict. Um, what, Sam, how would you describe, like, what's your, like, what would like a high concept pitch be? How would you describe uh, like a sentence? God, you know, I, I, as many times as I've described it in a sentence, every single time I describe it, it changes completely. I mean, it definitely is a, a self-discovery piece. It's about um, an internal conflict that is so bad that it means life or death for this woman. If she decides to stay in the life that she's in, she will die. So she goes on this voyage of self-discovery through um, the subconscious dream world of Wowzers. And um, it's definitely one of those pieces that every person that I've talked to that has seen it has taken away something completely different and everything that they say is um, completely correct. Yeah. Yeah. Which is exactly what we wanted. It I wasn't supposed to be like, this is exactly what it means. It's mm-hmm. what is it personally to you? What does her journey mean to you? And it's really cool because no one has said something that it's not. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I wanted it to be uh, not so literal as so. So the, the, the plot's there, but the story is kind of, uh, it's different to everyone, you know, what, I mean, so far, everybody who's, because I, I love asking people what they think it's about or what it means or what the movie means or what they think the movie means. 
and and like Sam said, everybody's answer has been different, but everybody's answer has been completely correct. You know, it's it's. I wanted it to be kind of non-linear. You know, I think that that's what art should be. Uh, you know, up to the interpretation of the uh, of the viewer. Yeah, exactly. I always got frustrated when there was um, like art art classes in college, and you would look at a painting, and the teacher would tell you what it means. And I'm like, How? you don't know that. That was made in like 500 BC. You know, how, how how can you define define that? And and that is something when you know me and Ace, the script that we originally wrote was, I think, what was it like, 12 pages? I think it's 14 pages, and 14. it's a 40 it's a 40 minute long movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So typically you know, things transfer, you know, about a minute per page, and it didn't. It didn't end up like that, but yeah, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't assume of the audience that they're idiots. It, it, you know, it lets them kind of figure it out for themselves. It's very not, it's not explained. Um, but also too, it's not like a, it's not like a big fuck you, you know, this doesn't make any sense. It's completely random. It's not random. It's just, it's just, uh, flexible. Mm Mm-hmm. So when you are writing it for for like the weird visuals and stuff, um, is that is that written out or planned or like so uh, how does that come about? I'm assuming you're speaking about there's there's about a I think it's like three minute there's a three minute long transition scene right, mm-hmm. um, and then there's actually some now that I'm thinking about some other things in there. Yeah. So we actually uh, on I think the second day of filming had a bit of a debacle and downtown Los Angeles and got into a bit of a screaming match with some fellow who claimed he owned the building we were filming at ended up having to change locations. So we lost, we lost about a half a day and weren't able to shoot the original scene that was written to get our lead character from one physical location to this kind of subconscious location or physical, whatever you want it to be. The other location, like we couldn't move her, we couldn't film it. So after the um, initial three days of filming, was it or four days of filming? After the initial, I think three days of filming, um, we said, "Oh shit, we got to have something here." Um, and without giving away too much, I basically thought, "Okay, I, I think I know. I think I know what to do here." I. I I kind of have an idea of this very surreal transition I want to film and I wanted it to be all practical and all filmed. So I, so without giving away too much, I told Sam to go to Petco. And I was so me. confused. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wait, said, Sam, I'm going to need some fish tanks. Yeah. I said, Sam, bring me some fish tanks and food coloring and give me, give me like two nights. So I spent two nights in my garage with some fish tanks and, and the cinematographer and a, and a couple buddies of mine. And um, I just tried to, something I love so much that I, and I, I, I only realized it about two years after we filmed it, because it's something I haven't watched in a long time. But my favorite, my favorite um, tool for storytelling ever is Joseph Campbell's Power of Myth. 
which I don't know if you've seen it, but it's like just mm-hmm. mind-blowingly good. There's just unbelievable amounts of information. You could watch it 10 times over and still be learning something new. But something I think that stuck with me that I didn't even realize is how uh, connected the subconscious is to water and liquids and the changing of, of liquids and form. And so this this whole, once again, this whole fish tank thing was not random, but you know, kind of just very subconscious. And so to answer your question, kind of in, in long form, sorry, is essentially no, none, none of it was written at all. It was um, pretty much entirely uh, developed in editing, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Even at the water in the opening uh, uh, scene, when you see wow, when you see the wowzers reflection in the uh, in the water. Yeah, that's pretty interesting, right? So that's another yeah. thing. That's another thing. I'm sure. I'm sure that you know what I've learned in mythology and and our subconscious, and also probably too the way I not not consciously think of our subconscious. It involves liquids and flowing, and so that that was an idea that our cinematographer had, and I was just like, you know what? It's going to be great, and it it turned out. It turned out to have a bit of a meaning behind it, you know, post filming it. But yeah, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of the references to water. When you were writing, did you know Sam would always play the lead? Yeah, yeah. There that was, was no other option. Yeah, I think the, there was no other option. I think. Uh, so, um, would so did you have her in uh, in mind while you while you were both writing it? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, I had. Um, let's see, I had, uh, I want to say I, I had all of the actors except for the, the person who plays her, um, fiance husband, um, except for him in mind right off the bat when I was writing it. I think I had all the actors kind of already selected for the, the roles, um, yeah, there wasn't really any casting. There's kind of a read through happened, and I was like, "It works. It's perfect. Let's go for it." Yeah. And the uh, read through actually even ended up kind of almost changing how we saw it. Like, um, oh yeah, absolutely. The the girl who plays the uh, Kayla, the the nun, or I, you know, um, yeah, I guess the nun, Kayla. The nun. <laughs> she just like. I mean, it was not. It was not what we originally thought. She just brought something so amazing and so strange and sample and a- everyone. It was really, really cool. We all know each other. We've all known each other for a while. We all attend the same acting school, and so um, it, it was. It was really neat being able to take these people that you've seen and kind of trained with and create something that was way bigger than we thought it would be. I mean, originally we thought we'd do like a little. $5,000 film just, you know, filmed on some decent camera and, uh, and it ended up growing and growing and growing into something very, very magical and expensive. <laughs> <laughs> it, you mentioned the runtime, you know, like 40 minutes, 36 minutes, something like that. Um, has that been a problem with any, uh, festivals? Cause I know sometimes when movies are about that, oh, that yeah. length, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not I mean, quite a short really. And it's not a feature. So when I edited it, I had zero goal, zero. I had the script, which I basically completely forgot about, and I just looked at the footage, and I didn't think about 
I didn't think about any of the original writing, and I basically just built the movie from from what we filmed, and just put the put everything together in an order that seemed uh, uh, to flow well story wise, and then I just threw it together. Lo and behold, the end of the day, it was thirty nine minutes long. And uh, Sam said, well, the cutoff for most short films at most festivals is 40 minutes. So I squeezed our credits into 58 seconds. That way we had a little two-second buffer. And you know what? We had a, we had a fair amount of luck with the 39-minute, with the 39, 30, 58-second version. I recently cut off and we uh, the, the, the version that's going to be showing at Dances with Films and... The version I showed at a couple other festivals is now, I think, 37 minutes. But um, I think that's one I saw. Yeah, that's the one you saw. That we're having, we're having a little bit more. I mean, it's just anything that is in a category and it's it's at the longest end of that category is just gonna it's gonna be difficult, you know. I mean, it's just because they want to fit, they want to get, they want to get a lot of people coming to the festivals and. They gotta get they gotta get a certain amount of films per block, and when you're 39 minutes long in a in a you know in a block where there's most most everybody else is five to eight minutes long, it's it's difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand yeah. the the practical reason, but uh, for me it doesn't it doesn't matter. It's just well, whatever length it it takes to tell whatever you know whatever story you're telling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's how I felt about it. That's how I felt about it when 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 editing it. As I wasn't, I didn't want to be concerned about fitting it into any. Sometimes it can be helpful to know that I I should fit a little bit more of, uh, just just kind of like a space constraint because I tend to edit things on the long side. I tend to hold very very long on on things that feel comfortable to me. You know, and in hindsight, sometimes maybe just a hair too long. <laughs> well, uh, you go on. What are you gonna say? Oh no! Oh, nothing. I just, I just dropped something. So I was saying. Oh no! Oh, no, sorry, bro. But I think uh, uh, staying long in some scenes uh, really fits in Wowzers because it adds to the dreamlike uh, feel feel of the of the movie. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I like the. I like. I. You know. I mean. I've uh, since we filmed Wowzers, I've also I've also kind of defined myself a little bit more as far as my style goes, and uh, especially regarding like coverage. And I'm finding that I I really do prefer just long takes. I love long takes. It just feels like you get to. I I shouldn't say that. I, I, I prefer long takes that fit within the rhythm of the story. Right. It's not good to just be randomly long or randomly fast <laughs> right. or randomly short. It's got to flow. It's got to have everything. Editing is a rhythm. It's musical, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, 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 sorry. I also feel that um, with with a lot of uh, a couple of the longer takes in Wowzers, it adds a comedic element because um, I noticed when we had our screening, a lot of the laughs that we got were because you would think that it would cut and it doesn't. And then right before it cuts something really bizarre, the actor does something bizarre because they think that we're going to cut. And so um, there's a couple scenes with Mr. Dims that, that, that length, especially um, in the very end, it adds comedy to it. Yeah. That's a good point. Cause I know uh, 
one of my favorite movies from a few years ago, Greasy, The Greasy Strangler. A lot of the scenes were, were very long, which made them very funny. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Mr. Dims is amazing, by the way. Oh, my God. He's <laughs> yeah, Mr. Dims, uh, Mr. Dims is a weird... Uh, it's a weird character, I think, in all of us, you know? Just a little bit of a strange tidbit of our consciousness. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was... Um, you mentioned the comedy, because uh, I think up until Mr. Dims, it's not, uh, there's not a lot of comedy in it. And then uh, he comes in, and there's comedy. So there's... There's a lot of uh, elements to the movie. When you do play it at at at, um, at festivals, uh, what kind of reaction do you get? Is it a lot of people laughing at the different scenes? Well, I haven't actually been all the festivals. Oh, okay. Now I'm thinking in my head. I haven't been to a festival. Sam went to one of the festivals where it was screening. Um, I don't know what the audience reaction was there. We screened. We we had a private screening of it when it was complete with about fifty people, and uh, well, going into it, I was extremely nervous because to me, it's a it's a comedy. It, you know, to me, to me, it's a it's more of a comedy than it is a drama. I think it's funny, and I was afraid that we were in for thirty seven minutes of just like people sitting there not really knowing whether or not to laugh and just just uncomfortable you know, silence. And it turned out that everybody was, was laughing at things that, you know, I didn't even think were funny. So it, it turned out, turned out smashingly, you know, um, Sam, how do people react at that festival? Um, it was, it was totally different. There were things that I thought I'm like, everyone is going to laugh at this part, but they didn't things that I thought that weren't funny at all that people laughed at. I don't know. The festival that I went to was in Detroit. <laughs> and and when we screened it, it was in Los Angeles. So I'm like, maybe it's an East Coast, West Coast, different type of humor thing. Um, but I think also, you know, what I've noticed is that uh, it depends on the collective group that you have. You know, when you get one person chuckling at something, someone else that might have been scared to laugh at that starts laughing. And, and it's the different vibing off of each other that's really, really cool and really interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. so so yeah it changes every time which is just i don't know that that makes the whole the whole thing so much more fun what was that ex- i'm sorry yeah because just the the piece i see it as like the piece is is continually um living it's never it's never stopped because each time that it's played whether it's in a year from now or two years from now it, it changes and i think that's one of the coolest things about about art so what was that experience like uh, for you to to watch your the movie that you're in your movie with with an audience? Oh, it was uh, me and Ace were just terrified. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, when you show anybody anything you've done that you've put a part of yourself into, it's just the most stressful experience ever. You know, it's the it's yeah. the, prim- the primary thing I've had to deal with as far as filmmaking goes, and I mean anything in my life is really is is, is <laughs> is completing and then letting go of it because it's not it's not mine anymore you know what i mean it's like i once it's done it doesn't belong to me it doesn't belong to anybody it's just people get to watch it and either enjoy it or not enjoy it but it's not my it's i can't have any attachment so it was just it was incredibly stressful (laughs) uh before anybody saw it but you know i mean actually when when it was over and people enjoyed it and were you know, clapping and standing and 
I, I, I walked out of the, the theater. I was so stressed out. <laughs> Even though the people enjoyed it, I was so stressed out. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, I think I'd probably have a similar reaction. If, uh, so uh, the music is great, too. Uh, even r- right away, um, like it sucks oh, you, you in. I think it does two things. It sucks you in, but it also makes you feel uneasy at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, that was my goal. It was um, scoring that film was extremely enjoyable for me. It was it was because, I, I, you know, that's the that's the longest. That's the longest thing I've ever composed for that I've done that. I mean, I've done little things here and there or, you know, itty bitty things. But that was that was kind of like the, the big one for me so far. And it was c- kind of coming out of thin air. I wasn't really, I didn't have any expectations. I didn't have any ideas of of what I wanted. The only thing I I, the only thing I really knew I wanted was just bass. You know, some type of um, one piece that one piece of the film has this bass score underneath it that's kind of uncomfortable and driving and the other part's going to have something you know trebly with uh some sort of dreamlike which is that music box score some sort of trebly dreamlike um piece to it i just wanted the duality of those two you know mm-hmm. that's all that's the only thing i thought about when i was going into it other than that it just kind of came out of hours of just trying things out and seeing if it fit uh, Sam, were you involved at all when he's scoring and, and editing the movie? I I would come over and <laughs> I'm sorry, Ace, but I have to say this. I think Ace took about a year in post-production and I probably saw him a couple times a month. And there wasn't one time that I saw him out of his pajama bottoms, <laughs> no T-shirt on, um, upstairs in that hot room with like... Yeah. <laughs> with like a, a custom built computer because our files were so big that his computer was overheating right. that he like rigged fans together that had fans blowing on the computer. It was just, <laughs> I was like, this is the most unglamorous. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. I, I think it was pretty glamorous and <laughs> it was absolutely incredible. And, and I do remember, glamorous. <laughs> I, I do remember when we were doing, uh, I was coming over to watch him do the score for the little psychedelic interlude. And he got out a violin that was untuned and was trying to play it. <laughs> and, and I, I, it was just, it I was, don't play. I don't play violin, by the way. A friend it, of mine who used to live with me left a violin behind. And yeah, it, that's it, and was, it, it. Fit. It was perfect, you know. It was I agree, funny. I agree. Yeah. yeah, it was like uh, nails on a chalkboard, but in the best type of way. Uh-huh. That's <laughs> um, like a screeching. Yeah, and there were so many times where I just kept thinking because, like, I'd known Ace for a while, but we'd never worked together, and I'm like. He's like, how is he going to pull this off? He's not going to be able to. Oh, yeah. there was you, like- probably, you probably didn't know what to expect. I mean, it just came out of nowhere. One day the movie was, it was, well, it was so, it was tough because I did everything from, you know, the editing, I mean, the processing of the footage to the editing, to the scoring, to mixing some of the sound, to uh, color correcting it with one of, you know, the other actors. So it was like, I, 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 I pretty much had, the heaviest hand in all the processes and was doing them most of the time by myself. And it was very, uh, 
just energy draining. So it was like once we finished filming, I edited the entire film in about two and a half, three weeks. And then it the process was just so long after that because of how much it, it was. It was like, uh, you know, it, it was like I only had so much. Uh, creative currency to go around at one time so it was like I would I would get tapped out and then I'd have to take a, you know take a couple days off and then I get tapped out right again just trying to trying to go straight for it you know yeah so, so what did you think Sam when you saw the finished movie when it's all was, together I was so blown away I could not like I said you know I I'd never really worked with Ace so I didn't and I think the one main uh, film that he'd done before was on his phone so you know, I'm like, okay, well, he's using a red camera. He's editing this footage. We were going to have, I think, company three uh, color correct our footage. And now Ace has taken over the color correcting. And I'm like, does he even know what he's doing? So I was just left in this state of sheer panic the <laughs> whole time. Just there's no way that we're going to do this. There's no way. And when I finally came over and saw it, I was my jaw was on the floor. I could not believe, especially a kid that's never done drugs that psychedelic scene <laughs> how how can someone that's never taken mushrooms do that psychedelic scene with that music and um I, I, yeah it was I, I was in awe i was so i still am to this day so impressed with the work that you did ace you like, put a lot of, you put a lot of trust in me sam but you needed to you know <laughs> yeah i think it wasn't even like i think that the trust came out of just fear because I didn't know what other options there were. You know, we had kind of run out of money and I, I just hoped and prayed for the best. And, you know, God, you, she pulled it together and, and, and pulled it together extremely, extremely well. I mean, our, our this film came out so professionally looking and, and stunning and beautiful. And so many people have had positive reactions to it. And, you know, this was just supposed to be a little film that we did because we just wanted to make something together. It, it was never supposed to be what it became. So it's been a beautiful um, experience. Yeah, I loved it. Um, uh, this honestly, usually when I watch a screeners, I'll have it. I'll have the the movie up and like a the notepad on your computer to take notes. Uh -huh. uh, and about a couple minutes in, I was. It was a movie like I, it's something that I really like. So I, 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 you know, I uh, put the notepad away and I just put it, I started it again and put it full screen so I could like uh, really be into it. Cause, uh, I think it'll be awesome to see, uh, uh, at the theater because, uh, the visuals and the, and the music and everything, it's, it's something that you want to be like absorbed into while you're watching. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's that. Especially having it late night too. Yeah. yeah. And, and and like that big. I mean, the screen. I don't know if you've ever been to the Chinese theater. The screen is so <laughs> big. The theater is so big. It's the uh, it's the sound. It's the it's the the theater bass when oh. you're there and you're in a theater and you're watching it. And that bass is just it just drives the it just drives the movie, you know. Yeah, I was there. I was there for a few years ago for Human Centipede Three premiere, which is a very different movie. But <laughs> I was at the. I was at the. Yeah. I saw Human Centipede Two, and and I think that okay. that did me good. I was like, I'm okay. I can I can miss out on the third. 
I I'm a, I actually am a fan. I like a lot of strange movies, but I'm a fan of Human Centipede and Human Centipede Two. Uh, I will I would not recommend Human Human Centipede. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> no, no, it was uh, it was an experience. Even one of the actors that did the movie asked him uh, Akihiro uh, Kitamura after the movie what he thought of it, and he just. He looked like he was like shell shocked. He's just like crazy, crazy <laughs> movie man, crazy movie man. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was strange. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you said um, the the original place you were shooting for for Inside Wows is you, you lost. So um, is some of that still in that same building? It is. So we had. Uh, let's see. There is one. Two, there are a couple scenes that are still from that original space in the movie. So the entire, yeah, actually, there's a, yeah, um, the outside of Wowzers, that rooftop. Um, there's a couple scenes in there, but honestly, it is it is the biggest blessing uh, that we were kicked out of that space because what we created, where we went. Um, actually to to uh our acting studio um where where we went we created just sets out of curtains and false walls that i couldn't have imagined would be so beautiful and it just fit the piece perfectly and then uh, you know what i could do to bl- i mean you know you can't even tell that there's a location change um yeah, I didn't know until you mentioned. Yeah, that. there's pretty much no way. There's pretty much no way to know. I was able to blend it really well, but um, yeah, you know, when you're making a movie, it's there's always there's always disasters, you know, and there's always problems. That's part of my favorite. That's my favorite part of of the technical side of filmmaking is is the problem solving. I just love problem solving. And there are there's just problem after problem on on uh, on set. And what money does is the more money you have, the more problems you can kind of avoid or just altogether prepare for. But uh, when when you have to fix everything yourself, it's it's just about how smoothly can you do it and how how quickly can you keep the ball rolling. So switching locations was like you can't even think you can't even think about oh well you know what are we going to do with what we shot or what are we going to do with what we cut it's like your brain just clicks on and you're you're right at the next location and you're filming what you can film and you're picking up what you can pick up and uh it was a blessing in disguise you know because the what, what we created at the at the new space is is really the look of wowzers that is which is what i wanted originally which we couldn't have achieved at, at the at the old location uh, i mean the old location i seem i seem to remember our sound guy like having a rat crawl up his leg at our first location it was a dingy la warehouse that was it, it, yeah, it was not a nice place to be. So when we lost it, um, at first it was kind of like, oh my God, what do we do now? We've already shot one day. Our shot list is all based out of this place. We have to do a location change. Um, before but- we, before we, uh, before we even, you know, said, all right, let's just go to the studio. Let's just go to the acting studio. When we pulled up and I knew there was a problem, I knew there was like a 75% chance we were going to the acting studio and I was 
fairly excited for it just to be out of such a, a shit space. You know, it's like being location can change your it can change your headspace. And that first day of filming was rough. It was really, really rough. And it was it was hard for me to because here's the thing is when you're filming with a lot of money, it's easy to shape it's easy to shape things the way you see them. It's easy to shape things into your original vision. But when you don't have a lot of money, you have to influence things to be like your original vision. But then you have to let go and let them be what they will be. You know, you have to let go and just let them let them be what it is and and find a way to to work that into your movie. And uh, I was trying to influence. And I was trying to shape what we were filming and in, into my vision of Wowzers. And it was like an uphill battle. It was like I was punching myself in the face. It was so hard. And the location switch was exactly what we needed for it to be like mm, just seamless. I didn't have to really worry about it. It was it was coming out exactly the way I wanted it to. So it's a you know, blessing in disguise. I always think um, the use of like um, different colors in, in the lighting always uh, it's interesting and i think it adds a lot of production value to like an independent film yeah you know it's very it's it's uh it's a style choice right i mean like i love just kind of stark color changes that don't necessarily make sense but they are here's the thing is you can do whatever you want to do in a film you can do whatever you want to do there are no rules but it has to be earned in essence, right? Like you can have just a whatever the whatever the fuck, a green light coming in through a window and, you know, whatever, hitting your subject on half the side of his face. You can have it. And the audience won't even question where the fuck it's coming from as long as it's earned. You have to earn it, right? You can't just do things thoughtlessly or carelessly. But like colors, I love, I love bold colors. Um I, I, I've learned this now after color correcting this film and then several other movies I've done now is I've learned um, color mixing is so difficult. Color mixing um, is something you have to be a little calculated with, um, skilled with, but bold colors and it just, it if done, if done well, can really give you an interesting emotion as the viewer. It's just like a, a strong, it's just a strong flavor, you know? Um, that's what, that's why I fucking love it. I love it. You know, whenever I can, the, the, what I found out, what I found out through, um, making movies for not a lot of money for like, you know, I mean, eight years now is that it just keep it simple, keep it simple, stupid. You know what I mean? It's like if you can earn it and you can do it, just do it. Just fucking do it. If you can flip on uh, a purple light and bounce it off, like in that in that scene with the two girls, right? It was like we were setting up that shot. I was like, this is this is not not great. And um, <laughs> I was like, I was like, just I just fucking think I took a purple light from from the from the kit and just stuck it behind the couch and of course you know it's like you on any set where you hire people in LA everybody's been to film school and everybody's going to tell you that that's not the right way to do it or that's not going to make any sense or they've got they've got their kind of you know pre 
preconceived game plan in their head, right? But sometimes just just keeping it simple is the best way to go. It's like we threw that purple light back there and fucking turn it on, and it was like, sure, it was great. You know what I mean? It just it looked it looked fine, looked great. Just keep it simple. You know, it was earned. It made sense. Mm-hmm. And uh, you also use it in the poster, which uh, which I like. the The poster is very cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, that was also a brand new experience for me creating a poster. <laughs> yep. Tutorials, online tutorials, man. We couldn't. I have agree. That. I, that, yeah, I, th- that's a gr- that's a great thing to say because that sounds funny, but it's true. You can you can learn to do so many. Di- yeah, I use online tutorials to do all kinds of stuff myself. You know, uh, on the computer, or even I, cook yeah. or anything. But yeah. What the, do people do before Google? I do not understand. <laughs> I don't know either. Yeah, they had to buy books or, or go to school. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, Sam, you said that you, uh, you know, you two wanted to work together. So how long have you known each other and like, uh, how did, how did you meet? I've uh, known Sam from the acting studio for like, what, like, two, like 10, I don't know. A, a little over 10 years. You were a wee lad and I was the mature older woman. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I, think I, I, <laughs> I think I'm like four years older than Ace and I, I like to throw it in his face. Um yeah. Yes, I, I, I attended the um, the acting studio, and that's where I met Ace a while ago. So, and so my, mom, my mom is an acting coach, so she has an acting studio. So I've okay. been I've been blessed enough to grow up around, you know, story and, and film, and uh, blessed to meet people like Sam and and pretty much all the other actors, and actually all the other actors in the film, and just just a great. It's it it helps to have a great collaborative group of people you know creative people with the same with the same um understanding of story you know that's kind of what it what it boils down to it's just just a love for storytelling right i mean that's that's essentially all we're doing yeah so um so, so I, I met Ace through there, and, and Ace had kind of been the I think one of one of the only people that had also I think you were mainly directing, right, more than acting. So I, um, when we first met, I was acting, I was auditioning a lot, um, and I liked it. I well, I I love acting. I love acting. Always will. Um, I will act in the future. I just I, auditioning. The auditioning process is like. Uh, it's like a blood-sucking experience. It's a life-draining experience. It's gotten a lot better now with the, you know, with the development of self tapes and and whatnot. It's less. It's less. Uh, I don't know. Um, it's just. It was. It. It was just a difficult experience for me. So I was in the process of um, directing. I guess I was 17 when I started really making the switch to to doing it. And, and having it be my, um, really the forefront of just, just my focus. It was, was producing, directing, and just in general filmmaking. So I think, yeah, Sam, maybe, maybe uh, seven or eight years ago, I really was focusing on, on production. Yeah, but I, I feel like we, we didn't hang out that much. I, I just... I ran into you at one of the classes and I, I had just come back from um, Shakespearean classical acting school in London at RADA. Oh, and yeah. 
and I I had wanted to Ugh. um I wanted to do more. I wanted to I want I just produced a play and I really liked the the power. I liked bossing people around. I liked being in charge. And so I'm like, it was a real, it was just sexy, like power bitch. I and, like bossing people around. You sound like a producer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I fucking love it. And so I told Ace, I would, um, because there weren't really many filmmakers that I knew. I knew a lot of actors, but I'm like, I, I have this, we had this script that wasn't the script we ended up using, but it was called Wowzers. And we Wowzers so completely, much. completely different fifty-page <laughs> script about nothing to do with Wowzers. <laughs> nothing. That's strange. Yeah. Um, but we love the name, and we're like, okay, well, why don't we just base a story off of the name of this script? It has to be Wowzers, and um, and I kind of told him about something I was going through in my life about this kind of struggle that I had of everyone was, I mean, this goes back to wanting to be a producer. Everyone was so nice to me. And I just wanted like, I don't know. I wanted, I wanted people to be mean to me and I wanted excitement and I wanted to be challenged. And, and, um, and that's how we based Jacqueline and Wowzers, this girl who just is so sick of being complacent. And, um, and she, she wants, she wants, a, she wants people to challenge her. And, um, and and Ace got it, and we both we would meet up like a couple times a week, and and talk. And Ace would write. I have no idea how to write dialogue, and thank God he knows how to write dialogue. And and it was a really cool, you know, we we work well together, and we're gonna do we're we're developing Wowzers into a anthology series. So that's cool. Yeah, uh, I'm a big fan of anthologies in general. Uh, since I was a kid, like Creepshow is one of my favorite movies. So, oh, uh, so good. Yeah, it's amazing. I just interviewed Fluffy from from the crate yesterday. Oh, it's very amazing. exciting. Yeah. Wow. And uh, <laughs> so yeah, I wonder where it's going. Oh, uh, anthologies is uh, I love that idea. So would it be like in this world or like what's the idea with the anthology? I guess. Well, to break it down without giving too much away. Right is um it's the idea of um entities existing outside of what we understand as our physical world right and and the the stock and the influence that those entities have in society and and on this earth through individual subconscious right so kind of as if um Let's just say as if Mr. Dims had a job and Mr. Dims's job was to awaken your subconscious, right? So the idea behind the anthology is we've got this, um, we've got this, this entity who runs this almost dream factory, if you will, and his job is to influence individuals on this earth through their subconscious to to kind of awaken or or live up to to their potential and 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 that's kind of that's that's kind of the idea of it without giving away too much. It's almost yeah. like a uh, if I could describe the world, I would describe it as. Um, are you familiar with the movie Brazil at all? One of my favorite movies. Yep. Yeah, it's almost like 
it's it's almost like Brazil meets Naked Lunch. Have you seen Naked Lunch by yeah, chance? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that's the idea behind this world. That's that's kind of the that's the vision. That's the, those are the visuals, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, hmm. that's that sounds very interesting to me. And and is uh. Because currently there's there's you know a lot of streaming sites that always want content, and then you know you can also put stuff out yourself and festivals and everything. So is, this, is are all, having all those sites and video on demand and everything is that uh, is it a good time for for independent filmmakers you know who have ideas and, and want to get stuff out there? Um, yeah, I think so. I think it's I think it's good. Um, I haven't really put together anything and pitched anything yet. As far as my career goes, I've got, I've got this, and then a couple other projects this year. This is the the goal of this year is to produce a feature, and to uh, kind of just start a start a series, get the engine going. Um, so I'm gonna start, I'm gonna start pitching and and setting up meetings. But I, I think I think it is. I think it's. I think we're in an interesting, um, we're in an interesting place where I feel like. I feel like what was so great about Netflix original content to begin with was they really, for a lot of it, it was very much so they didn't have a formula and they allowed the artists to do what they wanted with, right, with their creation, with their film, with their piece. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, unfortunately, with the success of Netflix, they've kind of developed a formula and you see it with you know some of their kind of repeatable movies or christmas movies or or formulaic shows or where where it's like whenever whenever a company i mean look everybody's got to make money it's a business sure. it's a, it's the film business right we all have to make money but whenever a company gets a hold of something and that something makes money they break it down into a formula they break it down into an equation that they can repeat right and it's like that that is what that is what breaks these services it's what broke network television that's why netflix was so successful they came, they came out of the gate and and i don't know if they knew it but they said you know look if it's good people will watch it it doesn't need to fit the, this formula of network right and and they did it and it was great and people watched it but then they're kind of falling into that trap that, you know of 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 kind of this formulate content I mean, even some of my, even some of some shows I like, they're kind of buying up and then Netflixing, if you will. And it's, uh, I think it's, it's kind of anti-independent filmmaker in that way, right? But then also too, it's the this just a, it's a great distribution platform. New media things like that are great distribution platforms for independent filmmakers in so many ways, you know. Yeah. Um, I think uh, it's tough. I think if you have a good story, right, mm-hmm. and you you dedicate your life to it, I think you can you can accomplish it, right? You can you can produce it. It's like, um, yeah, it it it, but you really do have to put the time in. You have to put. You have to. It's the ten thousand hour rule. You know, you, it's not like nobody's an overnight sensation, right? The only overnight sensations we see are the tenure overnight sensations, <laughs> where it's like one day they're one day they're successful and people love love their work, right? And oh my God, where they come from? Okay, well they've been doing this for so long, 
you know, slaving away and, and, and trying to accomplish their goals. And, and, uh, you just don't see that. You don't see that work. And I think, I think that if you, it boils down to story, if you have a great story and, and you want to tell it, I think you can, you can get the funding, you can get the capital, the fight, you know, you can get the finances sorted out and, and you can create your, your content, tell your story, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, before I forget, because I almost brought this up uh, when Sam mentioned that that uh, you you didn't do drugs, but you ca- you kind of captured that feel. <laughs> but since since you brought up Brazil, I was going to mention Terry Gilliam was also a guy who never did drugs, but he captures it in a, in a lot of his movies, especially like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. But yeah, yeah, I didn't even know I didn't know that Terry Terry Gilliam hasn't done drugs. I didn't know. No, that. no, that's a, I, that's a part of. Uh, I'm a huge Gilliam fan, and that's uh, he is uh, well. I re- yeah, and I, I respect that about him because I I do think sometimes when people make something uh, weird, they just assume that they're like a drug user. Well, you know what? I have to say, I I didn't think maybe he was a druggie, but I would not have thought that, and I'm guilty of it right. myself. You know, it's. Mm-hmm. Wow, I didn't even think about that. That's so interesting to know about. Um, yeah, Terry Gilliam's like, oh man, this. Yeah, yeah, he's the man. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like one of those things where the door of Kakundu was already open, and they didn't, they didn't <laughs> need, they didn't need the substances to open it. You know, I think right. cer- certain people are just in touch and in tune, and there are other people that just cannot connect to a creative part in themselves. And might feel that, you know, inebriation might help them, you know, take away. A lot of it, too, is taking away the fear, the social anxiety. And um, and I just, I, I didn't know that that side of Ace existed. I hadn't seen it before the fish tank. <laughs> yeah. Well, it always, it's always on. I can't turn it off, so it yeah. fucking sucks. <laughs> like, but, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it, the. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I've never done drugs. I just haven't. And I don't. <laughs> so that's uh, fine. Yeah. We're not pressuring you. <laughs> exactly. Other people take drugs too to create something like uh Yeah. Like Wowzers. And it, so you don't need to. Right? Yeah. Which yeah. by the way, the name is awesome. Just that the name does make me laugh, Wowzers. So then I don't I don't want to give away anything in the movie, but when the when the line is said in the movie, it's also very amusing. <laughs> that that <laughs> was that was one of the things that that got a lot of laughs in our screening, so we're excited to have that 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 scene. In, Sam, in Sam is uh, Sam that actor Sam Ball. Um, I love Sam so much, and I've worked with Sam a lot, and I love Sam's timing. You know, he's got great instinct as an actor. Yeah. He knows like he knows when I'm gonna call cut, and I always call cut. You know, obviously in a delay, so I've got some extra extra moments and he knows when I'm going to do it. And he always throws something in there. That's just great. <laughs> yeah. He's got great instinct. Great instinct. Mm-hmm. Well, I really, I really loved Wowzers. It's really a, a movie oh, for me. You. You're welcome. We love uh, yeah. That. Yeah, and, and it was very exciting to me to play midnight because I like to go to midnight movies. I've seen a racer head at mid, uh, midnight. Their oh, original 35 millimeter. It was very oh, cool. I love the racer head. Yeah. It's a, uh, yeah. The midnight, the midnight movies are gonna be a yeah. It's not exactly a PG, PG thirteen film for the daytime festivals, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very fitting. It's just cool, I think. And uh, I look forward to watching more stuff that you guys make. Oh, thanks so much. You're welcome. 
And so where, if people aren't uh, for at Dances with Films, where can they follow Wowzers to see, uh, you know, where it plays next and what, what what's going on with it? Um, yeah, we've got, we've got an Instagram, which is at Wowzers Movie. And then we have a Facebook page, which is Wowzers Movie. And both of them are updated. We've got another film festival that's in L.A. in July. Um, and another one we're playing in Orlando um, in August as part of the, this is my favorite film festival title, Sick and Wrong Film Festival. I, I'm f- f- friends with the promoter. That's oh, you cool. are? Okay. Yeah, Steve- yeah. Is it, is it Steven that you're friends with? I believe so. I, I know from Sick and Wrong, but I, I talked to him all the time on uh Oh, cool. He actually said some of the nicest things I've ever heard anyone say about Wowzers. Um, and and so, yeah, that's going to be August in Orlando. And we've got about 15 more film festivals that we are currently undecided in. So um, I'd love to go to I, I really, really want to get into Sitges in Spain. That's yeah. That's a big goal of mine. That would be a lot of fun. Me and Ace do Spain. I think we would have a grand old time. <laughs> yeah, it is Steven. Steven Stull. And they yeah. also have a they also have amazing trophies. Uh they're like these tentacles. Yeah, it's the tentacles the with, the, with the panties on them. I mean they, <laughs> yeah. they also have a um award which is I think for the the most like disturbing boner award. When I saw that, I just thought, okay, this is right for us. Oh, I feel like we might be able to win that. Maybe not with Wowzers, but you know. I, I think might, we uh... maybe get a disturbing boner or two. Yeah, I think I think so. I just well, want a tentacle trophy. Yeah. Who would? Who would? Yeah, right. Trophy? Yeah, I think they. Uh, I think they might even sell like replica one, not the ones you actually win. I think they don't have the panty on, but uh-huh. I think they. I think last year they were selling like replica ones. Gotta win, think, gotta, gotta win it. Yeah, it's not the same. You have to, you have yeah. to actually uh, earn it, as you mentioned earlier. You have to, you earn the green lights. You have to earn the tentacle. Well, Absolutely. let's put a good word in. I will. I will indeed. All right. Well, I really appreciate you both coming on. Oh, by the way, uh, do you have um, personal like uh, social media that people can follow you guys on? You know what? <laughs> That's an interesting question. I don't uh, I don't partake in the social media as uh, heavily as some do. Um, Sam, do I have a social media account? Uh, I think yours is, but it, like, do you check it? Do you post anything? I don't think so. Uh, okay. But, but, I, I, but yeah. you're, you're tagged in everything. My um, social media, my Instagram account is ace.thor, very quite simply, ace.thor. Um, if you would like to see how sparse my Instagram page is. <laughs> uh, and I'm a social media whore. I think it is one of the greatest tools for publicity and connecting and networking. So mine is the other Sam Fox. And, um, yeah, it's great. You get to vet people before you talk to them. Yeah. That's why you're a producer and I'm a director. Eh? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, I appreciate you guys coming on. I hope people uh, check out Wowzers wherever they can see it because I thought it was awesome. Oh, awesome, man. Thank you. It was nice chatting with you. Yeah, we appreciate being on uh, your podcast. Cool. Very good. All my high school friends are off in college now. And I get high and watch TV all day. Living in my 
my mother's basement's really not that bad I got everything I need and I don't pay And I never asked to grow up So please don't make me do it I wasn't meant to grow up Don't think I'll make it through it Things have been going south since I hit puberty It looks like growing up is just too much for me And playing ball Then came my school classes That I couldn't understand And girls who wouldn't notice me at all But I never asked to grow up So please don't make me do it I wasn't meant to grow up Don't think I'll make it through it Things have been going south But I say not now No, not right now When I say I need to get a life I just